0: Welcome to this Pure Voice activity. To access the entire activity, including supporting material, go to www.purevoice.com forward SUE. This activity is supported by an educational grant from Novo Nordisk AS. Hello,
1: my name is Tina Bilsbo. I am a professor at the University of Copenhagen in Denmark, and I'm a consultant at Steno Diabetes Center, also in Denmark. It's an honor to be here today and have the opportunity to share with you our program, which is entitled Overcoming Barriers to Basal Insulin in Type 2 Diabetes. We will focus on appreciating the preferences and perspective of the treatment in patients with type 2 diabetes. I'm very happy to be here today with Tiara Smith. Welcome Tiara, can you introduce yourself please?
0: Yes, thank you Dr. Vilsball. Hi everyone, my name is Tiara Smith. Um, I live with diabetes and my um, professional uh, career is based in type 2 diabetes advocacy and providing resources to the type 2 community on management and also addressing issues like using Uh, insulin and overcoming the stigmas and barriers on how to uh, use insulin and addressing those issues with your provider. So very happy to be here to discuss such a very important topic.
1: Yeah, it is really important. I mean, we've now had insulin on the market for more than 100 years, and it is indeed life-saving. Many, many lives have been saved, and just having this tool in our toolbox really is central for the prognosis and treatment both in type 1 but also in type 2 diabetes but often unfortunately there are situations where when I sit in front of a patient with, with type 2 diabetes it takes me a while to convince the individual of why this peptide why insulin is actually the right treatment I, I think you agree with me Tiara don't you
0: Absolutely. And, and also from, from the patient perspective, there's a lot of misinformation about the benefits for a type two in, in, in the use of insulin. Um, I know what I've seen, and I know we'll get into it later. Um, but, but thinking of insulin as, um, failure at management and reaching your, your glycemic goals, if started, um, you know, at, at the right time, it could really delay complications and give patients some power back in their lives and really and uh, improve their quality of life, which is always something that we, we want our patients to feel.
1: Yeah, because right now when I go to conferences, uh, we talk a lot about the modern glucose-lowering drugs in type 2 diabetes. However, we still have to remember that insulin is central because there are indeed still uh, impact on, on glycemic control with respect to microvascular complications. So, so I think it is really a, a challenge, and, and but from a healthcare provider's point of view, it's important because we need to get the individual to a certain target with respect to glycemic control. Because when we look at the guidelines when in general, insulin has moved down in the guidelines, but in, in patients who are newly diagnosed, who are who have very, very high glucose there, insulin is indeed life-saving. We add insulin after GLP-1 and on the top of the current backbone of, of glucose-lowering drugs. And I think that's also important when we talk about healthcare providers and patients you know, worries about insulin treatment because they many trust that, oh, now I'll go on insulin. I have to measure my glucose preprandially many times per day after the meals as well. But in type 2 diabetes, with the insulin analogs we have today, basal insulin, which means night-t- nighttime insulin, is often in the vast majority of patients enough. Mm-hmm when you put it on the top of of modern glucose lowering drugs. I, as a healthcare provider, I usually spend months in convincing my patients with type two diabetes to go. Now it's not to go on the needle because many have already been on a GLP-1, but it Mm -hmm. is to to get started on insulin. What's the barriers? Why do you think that is, Tiara?
0: Oh man, that's an excellent question, Dr. Bisbal. Um, So from the patient community that I work with, um, a lot of the the patients that i meet are just starting uh insulin for the first time but uh, but but have been used to taking metformin on sfu so for so for a lot of them taking an injectable um has uh had a lot of fear based on that so i've met a lot of patients um who are who have a fear of needles there's also the aspects of feeling like they've haven't done enough to manage their own type 2 diabetes. So um typically what we what we've seen is we have someone who gets diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and they're given three months to use metformin and make some other lifestyle changes with diet and exercise. But then later on, even if they've lost a little bit of weight, even if um their, their A1C has come down a little bit, but they're still not reaching their targets, or if they're still a little bit higher, the moment that their doctor recommends them to go on to start basal insulin, the, the sentiment is, well, haven't I worked hard enough? What, what am I not doing in my personal life? Um, that's caused me to get on insulin. And I use the phrase to get on insulin, um, purposely because then there's the expectation that one gets off insulin. And I do see that as a stigmatizing way or, or a way that we stigmatize the use of insulin in type two diabetes, because the goal isn't to necessarily get off of it, the goal is to help you manage your glucose levels and reach your targets to delay uh, complications and to to improve your quality of life. Um, And then also I think what patients can really use is just understanding the benefits of taking something like this. So, um, if you're someone that's on metformin and you're starting, you wake up in the morning and your blood sugars aren't at the one eighties or the two hundreds, your blood sugars are actually flatline and, and within the range that you're looking for. Um, and also if you're someone that's uh, on basal insulin, another benefit that you'll likely see is in between meals that your blood sugars aren't doing a lot of this, a lot of spiking up, but you'll, you may have a little bit of a bump, but, um, but but are but also pretty lower than than what most people are used to um, without yeah. taking. Yeah. One of the
1: things that, that we know as doctors when, when we prescribe drugs is that many patients they actually do not do as the doctor suggests them to do. And and I as I said, I often need to convince my patients to go on insulin. When they then go on insulin and come back, they're actually very often overwhelmed about, wow, I should have done this a long time ago because it actually increased the freedom. They don't have as high glucose, so they can actually live more freely, I would say. I don't know what you think about that. And also the, the adherence. Can you elaborate a little bit on that, Tara?
0: I've heard patients say, my aunt or my grandmother started insulin and she lost her eyesight. And that's, that's part of the misinformation that I see often. And, you know, you have to kindly correct and say, you know, that's, your aunt was likely developing complications long before she started insulin. And she probably should have actually been on insulin sooner to to delay those complications. But that's also what we have learned Tiara. What we have learned is
1: really that the more aggressive we are in decreasing glucose, the less complications patients get, because actually I, it's a very long time since I've seen someone who has become blind due to their type 2 diabetes.
0: Actually, oh. there was a question I wanted to ask you, Dr. Bilzeball, is like um, when well, you mentioned uh, needed to convince your patients, like how long does it take you to convince, the, to convince yeah. your patients and, and what methods did you have to use to to say, hey, this is something that you could use, like you're gonna feel so much better with food and you're not gonna feel as tired all the time because you're not gonna be running high. Like what are some of the ways that you've had to work to convince your patients? So we
1: have talked so much about pros and cons. And and, and for me, it, it's an everyday challenge when I'm in the clinic and want to, to get someone on insulin, as you say, and, and I would really, I, I learn more every day, every time I actually put a patient on insulin, I spend a lot of time um, convincing the patient uh, and by doing that, I tell them about, I'm very open, I tell them about uh, complications if they don't go on on insulin. I also spend quite a lot of time talking about the pathophysiology of type 2 diabetes because they're not failures when they end up coming on insulin. I think that's extremely important. I also tell them that it it really in uh, decrease their risk of complications and and if they are you know Good in measuring glucose once in a while. They don't need to have a CGM, all of them. They don't need to measure glucose four, five, six times per day, but they need to measure fasting plasma glucose once in a while and not then also um, a couple of profiles if they're ill and so on. So triple therapy with metformin, SGLT2, and GLP1 is extremely efficacious with respect to body weight and glycemic control. And then When you add the insulin, you need less insulin. So the risk of increasing weight, which is also an issue, at least in many of my patients, they don't want to go on insulin because that is equal to gaining a lot of weight. But if you put it on the top of modern glucose-lowering drugs, the weight gain is not as high. Um, The risk of hypoglycemia is not as pronounced because you simply don't use as high doses. And also with all the newer insulin analogs if they if you need high units of insulin you always you can always swap to a more modern uh, insulin analog and thereby decrease the the risk of of hypoglycemia I, i'm not quite sure how i get everyone on the same page so i would love for you to to give me some good suggestions sierra can you do that how do we go on the same page
0: yeah um so what I've, what I've seen work is like, of course, like the complications piece is always really important. Um, but what I find that some patients respond to is how it's, how is it going to impact them in their day-to-day life? Like leveling with patients and asking them, what impact do you think this is going to have on your day-to-day life? Do you feel like if you're at work, do you feel comfortable talking to your employer if you need to take a break or need to take an injection? What are some of the concerns a patient may have about possibly need to take out um their insulin pen when out at a restaurant or with their family um what is the relationship uh, or their their relationship with food and how do they foresee taking insulin and impacting that do they feel like they may have a little bit more freedom with it do they feel like they may have to monitor um even more closely of of what they eat um and then you brought up a really great point about the the monitoring, the the finger the finger pricking. And most people with type two diabetes are still using finger pricks. I think addressing that up front is also going to be really helpful too. Um, because right now I, I know so many people with type two diabetes who don't like pricking their fingers, and that could also um, impact their own ability to stay on insulin therapy. So yeah. it's it's more about the about the day to day and how and how it's going to impact their everyday lives. Um, I think that, you know the long term, um, you know, impact the benefits of like delaying complications. That's of course something to always to always mention. And then you know having that open dialogue includes um, addressing any kind of fears that your patients may have around insulin. Um, yeah. You know because if if they don't get that kind of um, information from you, they're going to get it from somewhere and it's likely going to be on the internet where where the information isn't isn't accurate or up to date. So addressing that up front as well um, is going to be very helpful for, for your patients. Yeah.
1: Thank you very much, Tiara. Uh, it has been a pleasure having this discussion with you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Hello, my name is Tina Bilspel. I'm a professor at the University of Copenhagen in Denmark, and I'm a consultant at Steno Diabetes Center, also in Copenhagen, Denmark. I'm really happy to be here today and discuss new opportunities with once weekly insulin. In this program, I'm honored to be here with Tiara. Please welcome Tiara, can you present yourself please?
0: Yes. Thank you, Dr. Vizbol. Uh Hi, everyone. My name is Tiara Smith, and I have dedicated my career to advocating for people with type 2 and their experiences and providing practical resources so that, that way they can thrive with this chronic illness. Happy to be here. Thank you.
1: Today, we use modern glucose-lowering drugs with metformin, SGLT2, and GLP-1, but we also use a lot of insulin. But on a very regular basis, it is a challenge to convince patients to go on insulin, as I know Tiara calls it, and many people call it because you then, a lot of people think that that life will stop when they need to take these everyday injections. And that's why we are right now in a really interesting area because we have had the recent years, the development of insulin analogs have become better and better. They're more and more stable, and they can, many of them can be take a, taken as a once-daily injection. The data we have today with the so-called BIF, uh, which you can appreciate from this slide, very beautiful effect, pretty much similar effects as a once-daily injection, and not on the cost of hypoglycemia. And some of the things that, of course, we're worried about is weight gain, hypoglycemia, especially When I first heard about once-weekly insulin, I was very worried about an increased risk of severe hypoglycemia because injecting seven times as much insulin uh, once a weekly made even a a doctor like me um, really worried. But what we have seen so far is is really um, straightforward and as expected because these peptides, these once-weekly insulin have a more protracted pharmacokinetic profile, meaning that the amount of insulin on board in the blood of the patient is much more stable. The onwards one trial was a pretty long, as you can see, a 78 week long trial where insulin Icodec was compared to insulin GLAR-G100. So once weekly injection versus once daily injection and very, very beautiful results. Not only in respect to glycemic control, but also in respect to safety, no new seg- signals were seen in the onwatch One. No new signals, worrying signals, were seen in the Onwards Three either, where insulin Icodec was compared to insulin Declodec again, once weekly against. Once daily, and actually in the onwards three, in a blinded matter. very beautiful effect um, in respect to glycemic control, and again in respect to safety, no increased risk of the most severe uh, hypoglycemia, slightly more uh, light hypoglycemia, but but nothing severe, no hospital admissions, and no out of control hypoglycemia, and for me that is very very important. And I don't know if you'll share with me your thoughts Tiara. How do you think your um, acceptance and adherence would be with a once weekly uh, compared to a once daily insulin?
0: Oh my God. I would have jumped on the opportunity to have a once (laughs) weekly uh, insulin. Um, No, taking insulin, you know, it, it takes what, maybe a minute or less to actually take it, but there's so much that goes into it. One, the fear of the needle, the, the, expecting a little bit of pain. And then the thought of doing that um, just once or twice a day, every day, um, it's mentally exhausting as a person with diabetes. Now, if if my doctor had presented me with once weekly insulin, especially if if um, the especially if it meant that I would be able to be in range more often um, when compared to uh, Glargine or Degludec, there are no changes or differences in body weight um, and, and I'm not at a increased risk of severe low blood sugar. Oh yes. 100%. I would, yeah. I would try it right now if I could, it removes a, a burden of a mental burden of, of living, of living with diabetes. I mean, it helps things. It helps me, it would help me think about my diabetes less, which is why I, I know a lot of patients are actively trying to find a thing that makes them think about their, their own diabetes less. Um, yeah. no, this would be amazing for people with type two.
1: Yeah. One of the things that when I first heard about once weekly insulin, I also was, you know, overwhelmed about less complexity and, you know, probably being more convincing for the patients to go. As you said, I would take it right away. Um, Mm -hmm. as a doctor, I, I initially was a little bit worried about protracted hypoglycemia. So, be, because if you only take the insulin once a week, and if you suddenly want to run a marathon in the middle of the week, or if you're ill, or, you know, and and for me that was point of it was it gave me some focus initially. I mean, it's it's important that patients with type two diabetes have freedom, have flexibility, can yeah. go for a long walk if they want to. And I was worried about whether this long acting insulin would. You know, be good from an injection number perspective, but yes. uh, whether it would actually increase the body weight because it, they they would need to increase their preventive snacking. I don't know what you think about that here. Yeah, so
0: actually, um, you brought up you know being able to go for a walk or or exercise, and what what I was thinking was how will we counsel or I guess like how we address the concerns that a patient may have if they are a little bit more active in one week or less active um, the following week and the dosage is there. Um, I think some patients would have questions about that. And then the other thing is things like snacking or feeling a little bit more freedom with food and how that uh, once weekly insulin would impact their glucose levels if they decide to Let's say go on a vacation with their friends, go on a cruise, perhaps where there's a lot of food available. Is that one is that once weekly insulin going to be enough for them to kind of think a little bit less about the impact of food on on their glucose levels? Um, so I think that's something that patients would um, would would want to know more about about how this would impact like again that that day to day that everyday uh, life and their relationship with food and exercise when it comes to a once weekly insulin like this.
1: So it will make life easier. It will treat more p- patients on the long-term to target. I'm pretty confident about that. And and then you'll have more time, you know, discussing uh, other important things when you, when you are in the clinics. How do you see it? Uh, do you think it will be impact in the patient-to-doctor um, collaboration, Chair? What do you think about that?
0: Yes. Uh, I I feel like a patient would... Um, find their, their, their doctor's appointments to be more productive. When you, when you're a patient and you're feeling like you're on the right track, you are willing to share that information with your doctor. Um, especially if you have something that is pretty much revolutionary as this, I can see a patient coming to, coming to a provider and saying, dog, this, this has changed my life. What else can I do to, uh to, to improve my management. And I will also imagine that, um, that a patient will be more open to asking more questions about their diabetes and in, in other, in other treatment methods as well. Um, I, I feel like when it comes to uh, medications or, or, or any kind of development in diabetes, like I feel like it helps patients feel like they can be more open with their provider if they feel like there's a solution that would actually work for them. Um, I find that sometimes patients when they're struggling, they may not feel as confident coming to a doctor um, because they may feel like they aren't doing enough, and there's that sort of personal responsibility aspect of managing type two diabetes. The less complex medical therapy can be, to my opinion, the better. Same here. Same here. And and you know, just just to uh, wrap up the the page perspective for this discussion, like. I imagine when patients get medications like this and this is introduced to them, their outlook on their life with diabetes improves. They feel, yeah. they feel more empowered um, about what their health will look like. They're not worried as worried about the complications. They, they can actually feel their quality of life improving, which is I feel like one of the most important aspects of uh, when new therapies are introduced.
1: Thank you very much, Chair, for a wonderful discussion. I hope I'll meet you in five years to hear how your diabetes is, and and uh, I think the future is bright, uh, also within the insulin area. Thank you very much for for your attention, and thank you, Chair, for for t-
0: participating. Thank you, thank you Dr. Vosbor. This has
1: been an activity published by Peer Voice.